Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome back, Crimeaholics. It's your host, Holly, and today's episode is about another love affair gone deadly and one woman's strength to pick up the shattered pieces and move on. So without further ado, let's jump in. Emmett Corrigan was born on August 30th, 1980, and according to his obituary on Legacy.com, Emmett graduated high school from Centennial High School in the Boise, Idaho area. He then went on to Rick's College where he played football for a semester before Emmett was called to serve on a two-year LDS mission trip in Brazil. He was in Campinas, Brazil from 2002-2002. After his mission trip, he enrolled in college once again and received a Bachelor's of Science from Utah State University. It was while he was attending college in 2003 that Emmett would meet a woman named Ashley Harmon, who was just a few years younger than him. And within two months of knowing each other, they were engaged to be married. While doing research on this case, I watched several interviews with Ashley, and she always said that things between them moved quickly, but that was because they both knew what they wanted, and it was each other. And so on March 6, 2004, Ashley and Emmett got married inside the Mount Tipanogos LDS Temple in American Fork, Utah. Life together seemed picture perfect. They appeared to be the all-American family. They started their family fairly quickly, and in total, they would have five children, three girls and two boys. Emmett would go on to obtain his Juris Doctorate in law from Gonzaga in Spokane, Washington. After being admitted to the state bar on September 30th, 2010, Emmett would join a law firm in Boise, Idaho, specializing in bankruptcy and criminal law. At the age of 30, Emmett would go on to open his own criminal defense law office in Boise. He literally had it all. He was an up-and-coming star in the criminal defense world, and he was described by those who knew him to be extremely driven, charismatic, and very charming. He also was very good at his job despite being a new lawyer. His law office was looking to add to their team and was in search of a new paralegal. Candy Hall had recently been fired from her position as a paralegal at a different law firm when she applied to work at Emmett's. Candy had known one of Emmett's colleagues, and she was said to have a reputation of being very driven, outgoing, and that she knew what she was doing. She could also easily bring in new clients. After a lunch date interview, Emmett decided that he wanted to hire her. 
Things for Candy in the work world seemed to be on the rise, but behind closed doors, Candy's life was falling apart. Candy and her husband Robert, who went by Rob, had been married for 19 years and the two of them had two beautiful daughters together and they had recently moved from California to Meridian, Idaho. Rob worked as a computer guy for the police department and Candy was a paralegal. Around the time that Candy began working at Emmett's law firm, Rob would approach Candy with the news that no wife wants to hear. Rob had been having an affair. And according to Crime Watch Daily, Candy had told some people that not only had Rob had an affair on her, he had also been physically abusive towards her as well. After learning about her husband's affair, Candy really began diving into work even harder. She was dedicated to being the best paralegal she could be, and she spent many late hours at work. It was during this time that she began finding herself attracted to Emmett, who was 10 years younger than her. Emmett's wife around this time would also become pregnant with their fifth child. According to a cousin of Emmett's, it was around this time that Emmett was really beginning to feel the stress of supporting a large, growing family. So he decided to get into bodybuilding, which this isn't something that is new to him. It was something that he enjoyed doing in spurts. But this time, he was spending a lot of time at the gym to blow off steam. The more stressed Emmett became, the more distant he got with his wife and family. And Ashley recognized that things between them were beginning to change, which I want to say isn't completely abnormal. Relationships go through many trials and tribulations, and so I'm assuming that Ashley felt that eventually things would level out and they'd be back to normal and back to their happy family. On January 15th, 2011, Ashley would give birth to their fifth child, and it was a boy that they named Titus. His cousin recalls seeing the picture for the first time of the family with their brand new baby. She said that she could tell that Emmett was distracted, and the picture looked very staged with a smile that seemed fake. Soon, the late hours of work and long hours at the gym became full overnight outings for Emmett. There was times that he wouldn't come home at all, which naturally raised flags for Ashley. But what Ashley didn't know was that the woman who held her brand new baby, the woman who had offered to babysit, and the woman who gifted her with gifts was sleeping with her husband. Candy Hall and Emmett Corrigan was in a full-blown, physically romantic affair. Not only was Ashley beginning to see the signs, but Rob Hall had been as well. Rob had expressed his dissatisfaction that Candy was working for the young and very handsome Emmett. He didn't like that she was spending so much extra time in office working for him, and Rob felt threatened. Ashley had also expressed her distaste for Candy. Ashley describes meeting Candy for the first time in her book called Silence Breaks, and she states, quote, She had on a miniskirt and hooker boots. Her cleavage was everywhere, end quote. But Emmett always assured Ashley that Candy was older and was more like a mother figure to him. He said that Candy really believed in him and believed that he was going to be an amazing defense attorney. Ashley even tried to seek couples counseling for the two of them, but Emmett didn't show up. Ashley talks about seeing this counselor in the Crime Watch Daily videos. She states that when she arrived there, she sat down and told him that there was something wrong with her. 
She said that she was having all of these doubts about her husband and that this was all made up in her mind and she wanted the counselor to help her work through it. By the end of this session, though, the counselor looked her in the face and told her that he really truly believed that something was wrong. On March 11th, 2011, Ashley woke up determined as ever to get her marriage back on track. She had made plans for that day that she would clean the house, she would cook dinner, and she and the kids would be waiting all dressed up for Emmett to get off of work. She worked all day long prepping things, and by 6 p.m. when she thought that Emmett would come home, she had dinner waiting on the table while the kids were dressed up in their Sunday best. Two hours past the time that she expected Emmett to be home, he finally arrived home. She went to give him a kiss and he jerked his head away. Despite that, she held herself together and she got the fussy kids to sit down around the table for dinner. Emmett sat down and said that he had already ate and he didn't eat a single bite of the meal that she prepared. It wasn't long after sitting down for dinner that Emmett told Ashley that she was going to head to Walgreens to pick up a prescription. She had begged and pleaded for him to stay home. She expressed to him that she was really, really trying hard to connect with him and work on their marriage. She was fighting for him and she wanted it to work. Emmett replied telling her, don't tell me what to do. I'm going to go. At the Hall household, things were just as bad. Rob was home alone and he was packing his bags to move out of the house. He had called his daughter to ask her if she had taken her mom's car. She had stated no, that she didn't have it and that she was over at her boyfriend's house. He then told her to go ahead and come home. So her and her boyfriend hopped into his car and headed towards the Hall residence. On her way home, their daughter spotted her mom's car parked outside of the Walgreens. So she called to let her dad know that mom was at Walgreens and that she had just seen her car there. Surveillance footage from that night shows Candy pulling up and parking outside of the Walgreens. Moments later, Emmett's truck pulls up and Candy exits her car and gets into Emmett's truck. Then the two leave in his truck and head to a gas station to get gas. Later in the evening, you can see Rob's truck pulling into the Walgreens. He gets out of the truck and then heads into the store. Footage from inside the store shows him walking up and down every single aisle looking for his wife. He then exits the store and gets back into his truck and backs out of the parking space. Instead of leaving the parking lot altogether, he backs his truck into the other side of Candy's car and parks. Unfortunately, the driver's side door at this point is out of camera shot, so it's unknown whether Rob waited inside of the truck or if he stood outside of it. 17 minutes later, Emmett and Candy pull up to Walgreens, and this is when all hell broke loose. The two men begin yelling at each other, and the next thing they know, there's three gunshots. Multiple people called into police, and one of them being Candy herself. Officers arrived on scene to find Emmett dead on the ground from two gunshot wounds, one to the forehead and one to the chest. They then saw Rob with a wound to his head where a bullet had grazed the top. 
They rushed Rob to the hospital and Emmett was pronounced dead on the scene and Candy was taken to the station for questioning. Across town, Ashley would wake in the middle of the night to a knock on the door and three officers there to give her the news. They told her that there had been an incident and that Emmett didn't make it. They then asked if she knew who Rob and Candy Hall was. She told authorities that Candy was Emmett's paralegal and that she also had some suspicion that something sneaky was going on between the two of them. Back at the station, investigators began questioning Candy about what had happened leading up to the shooting. She had stated that she had gone to Walgreens and met up with Emmett there to talk, and that the two of them left to go get gas and then they chatted in his truck. When asked about their relationship, she had said that they were just friends. Investigators questioned her repeatedly if they were romantically involved. Were they having sex? Have they ever had sex? All of which she answered with no. Candy had said that while she was with Emmett, her daughter had called to ask where she was at. She had stated that she was with her best friend, Michelle. Then Rob had called and asked her if she was with Emmett, and she had stated yes, at which point Emmett began getting mouthy over the phone with Rob. He even threatened him with violence, according to Candy. When they pulled into the Walgreens, Candy said that they got out of the car and Emmett and Rob began yelling at each other. At one point, Rob says something to Emmett about his poor wife being at home alone with their five kids. This had apparently set Emmett off and he pushed off the car to go for Rob. Candy stated that she turned around to leave at this point and then she heard pop, pop, pop. When she turned back towards the men, she saw them both lying on the ground. She saw Rob trying to stand up with blood gushing from the top of his head and he appeared to be trying to bend over to grab the gun again. She stated that she rushed over, grabbed the gun, and threw it across the parking lot. She then said that she turned around and looked towards Emmett and saw him lying there bleeding to death. She ran to him and cradled his head in her lap. Candy held Emmett in her arms as he took his last, final breath. Once Rob was able to speak in the hospital, investigators visited him. His wound was just a superficial wound to the top of his head. It was able to be stapled closed and he was expected to make a full recovery. Rob told investigators that the gun belonged to him and when him and Emmett got into the confrontation, the gun had fallen from his pocket. He had stated that he and Emmett began to struggle for the gun and Emmett had shot him. When he asked who had shot Emmett, he had said that he couldn't remember. With Ashley saying that she had suspicion that Candy and Emmett were involved with each other and Candy saying that they weren't involved at all beyond a friendship, investigators took their questioning to people who worked closest with Candy and Emmett. They spoke with their co-workers and found out that Candy and Emmett were having a romantic relationship with each other, including having sex in the office. A woman named Kelly who worked in the office and was also the person that first introduced Emmett to Candy when he was looking for a paralegal came forward and said that their relationship began just two and a half to three weeks after Candy began working at the law firm. According to her, this wasn't the first time that things got physical between Rob and Emmett. 
She told investigators that Emmett had told her that he had gone to Rob and Candy's home. And at that point, some sort of confrontation happened where the two of them were shoving each other. But the biggest thing that she told investigators was that on the day that Emmett was murdered, he and Candy had gone to speak to a man at the public defender's office to talk about her getting a divorce. Because the incident between the two men took place outside of surveillance footage, they were left trying to understand what happened and who shot first. There was two scenarios. The first was that the two men were struggling over the gun, like Robert had stated, and then Emmett had shot Rob first. Then Rob was able to gain control of the gun and fired two fatal shots back at Emmett. The second scenario is that Rob pulled the gun out, shot Emmett twice, before then pulling the gun on himself. When Candy was first questioned about what she had seen and heard, she had stated that the cadence of the gunshots was a pop-pop, then a pause, with the final pop. Because of her witness statement, investigators believed the most plausible scenario was that Emmett was shot twice first before Rob tried to shoot himself. Rob was arrested and charged with first-degree murder. As the investigation would go on, many racy text messages and emails would be exposed and the true story behind what was going on between Candy and Emmett would fully come to light. Finally, she would admit that they were, in fact, having an affair, and on that night that Emmett died, the two of them had gone to a secluded area to have sex before he was ultimately murdered by her husband. During the trial, however, Candy's story of the night changed. The defense was stating that Rob had acted in self-defense. Emmett had first shot Rob before Rob was able to gain control and shoot Emmett twice. On the stand, Candy would testify that the sounds she heard was a pop, then a pause, then two more pops. Now her story magically fits the defense's argument of self-defense. The defense was also painting Emmett to be an aggressive person because they found a good-sized quantity of steroids inside of his pickup truck on the night that he was murdered. They were saying that he was having roid rage and was the aggressor in the entire situation. The prosecution was saying that Rob Hall had gone to the Walgreens with his loaded gun looking for revenge. Inside of his truck on that night, they found several printed out email conversations between Emmett and Candy that detailed their affair. So this was Rob's fuel to hunt them down and make Emmett pay. On the stand, Candy's story and recollection of the sequence of events repeatedly changed, so much so that the judge got frustrated with her changing her stories, and he said this, quote, Frankly, any testimony by Miss Hall, in my 31 years on the bench, I don't think I've seen a witness more thoroughly discredited in the course of a proceeding, end quote. On top of her ever-changing story, Candy and Rob were extremely lovey-dovey during court. They had both apologized to each other and even stated that they still loved each other. Which I can imagine this was a little bit of a gut punch to Ashley. Here she is sitting through the murder trial of her husband and the two people who had major roles in his murder are confessing their love for each other. All the while, she's now a widow raising five children on her own. Though Emmett's decisions played a role in his death as well, had he never met Candy, he wouldn't have been murdered by her husband. 
Not to mention this woman who is confessing to still loving her husband that murdered her lover. She's the same woman that held Emmett as he took his last final breaths. Like I said, I can imagine how hard this was to sit through for Ashley. Ultimately, though, Robert Hall was found guilty of second-degree murder in the death of Emmett Corrigan. At the sentencing, both Emmett's parents spoke as well as Ashley. Rob was also given the opportunity to speak where he stated that he was so extremely sorry for what he had done. Robert was sentenced to 30 years in prison and will be eligible for parole in 2030. But that wasn't the last prison sentence for the Hall family. Candy Hall was sentenced to some prison time, but it was not for her role in Emmett's murder. In December of 2012, she was sentenced to 14 years in prison with two years fixed for embezzling over $30,000 from another law firm that she had worked for. The judge placed her on a retained jurisdiction program, which allowed her to serve six months in a prison-based treatment program. She was released from prison in June of 2014 and will remain on parole until the year 2026. In August of 2015, Ashley and Candy would make a Dr. Phil show appearance. I will have the link to it in the description of this episode, but I will say that after watching it, I have a major bad taste in my mouth for Candy. She showed zero remorse for her part in the matter. She ultimately was extremely rude towards Ashley, saying that she wished she would stop writing about her. As I mentioned earlier, Ashley has written several books, and she also blogged. And in a way, this was how Ashley coped with everything. But Candy was not pleased at all, and she let her know on the Dr. Phil show. Candy was so calloused that in one of the pre-interviews that played on the show, she even stated that she wasn't sorry he was dead. Again, I will have that linked in the description of this episode for you guys to watch because I'm curious to hear how you feel about it. In December of 2016, Robert Hall tried to appeal his second-degree murder conviction, stating that the district court didn't properly instruct the jury on the issue of self-defense. However, the Idaho Supreme Court upheld that conviction. I am unaware where Candy Hall is today. She seems to be a lot more private, but in the investigation discovery show on the case, her daughter stated that she had moved away and the two only speak over the phone. Since the death of her husband, Ashley has now remarried and has two more children. She is also a motivational speaker, author, and blogger. You can find her blog by searching the name The Moments We Stand. Crimeaholics, if you're not already a part of our private Facebook group, you can find us by searching Crimeaholics Podcast Discussion Group on Facebook. In there, we share information and pictures pertaining to the cases that we cover, and we encourage all members to share all things true crime. Also, be sure to follow us on both Instagram and on TikTok at crimeaholics.podcast. Crimeaholics, that's all for now. Until next time, be aware and take care. Mm-hmm.